0: Hi and welcome to Beyond Parking, a podcast brought to you by the British Parking Association. My name is Joey and I'm here today with Julian and we both work in the technology, innovation and research team. Hi, and welcome back to the fourth episode of Beyond Parking. Um, fourth?
1: Are we fourth? Are
0: we there yet? Four? That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, we are. This is our fourth. Yeah, and things have changed quite a bit since we started the podcast. Lockdown used in England, not quite the same in Scotland and Wales. And I've kind of been enjoying a little bit more freedom to go to the shop.
1: Well, that's interesting. I think that's probably... We'll have to agree to differ on that one, Joey, because there's nothing I hate more than clothes shopping. I think I'll make do with my worn out jeans and shirts for a little bit longer. (laughs) Um, But I guess another thing that um, is happening in the parking world, just to bring it back to the focus here, um, is that we're talking about how we can make the most of the changes that people have got used to and look at the technology we've got at our disposal, like ANPR camera technology, to help us as we ease out of lockdown. And today's speaker is going to talk a fair bit about that aren't they?
0: Yeah so today we're going to be talking to Andy Walton who's the head of marketing for Parking Eye and she's going to be talking to us um, like you just mentioned about ANPR which is automatic number plate recognition.
1: So up until now as many of you know local authorities aren't able to use ANPR technology like the private sector can to enforce uh, parking on street or in car parks. Out of this situation that we found ourselves in there is a potential to talk about this with government and this is something that parking eye are doing with the bpa and i'm sure that could be an interesting focus for a podcast in the future but andy's going to talk a lot more about the business some of the innovations that they are working on at the moment and uh, let's hear from her now, shall we
0: yeah sounds good over to the interview Hi Andy, welcome Welcome to the show, it's really great to have you on. I was just wondering if you could tell me a little bit about Parking Eye and how it started.
2: Thanks Joey, um, good to be here. So Parking Eye, I mean you know we were founded in 2004, uh, we've gone from a, from a really small pioneering provider I guess to a 350 strong car park management operator that we are today. So we offer AMPR monitoring, enforcement, smart city services, fundamentally we exist to provide a more positive parking experience to help businesses boost revenues, help our clients understand their user behaviours and and just generally make life much easier. Um, And we class ourselves as the largest supplier of automatic number plate recognition or AMPR for short systems on private car parks in the UK. When the company started, our goal was very much to try and eat into the normal enforcement, sort of the manual element of the patrol market to offer AMPR as a a much more superior alternative. Now, of course, development of all those lovely added benefits that come with AMPR, all the rich data, the in-depth reporting, increased compliance and All of the fancy linking the API stuff into the payments, of course, all of that came later. As as one of the largest operators, I think, for enforcement services, what's interesting to me, certainly, as somebody that hasn't come from any kind of parking background, is that we actually only issue PCNs to around 0.3%. So that's, that's a percentage of all the motorists that visit our sites that we manage. So we have to navigate that brand reputation really sensitively. And and for me, personally, it's something that I'd really underestimated when I joined. Um, and also the wealth of other services that were drowned out amongst that PCN noise. I kind of really welcomed the challenge. What really struck me was the opportunity in AMPR to help businesses truly thrive. I was very much attracted to tech. So, you know, the software element, this whole digitalization of parking and the virtualised side was really, really interesting to me. And I'd also had a lot of experience with very relational businesses. So um, people like award-winning travel counsellors and, and also Zen Internet actually. That um, when I met CEO Phil Boynes, he was, he was my final stage of my, my interview process. Um, he talked very, very strongly about values, you know, putting people first, a very personalized approach. And really doing what we say we'll do, keeping our promises. And, and that really resonated. I mean, whatever anybody thinks about Parking Eye, we absolutely do what we say we're going to do. You know, if you've got a problem with enforcement, then absolutely, we're going to help you eradicate that.
1: That's covered a lot, Andy. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to take you back a little bit because you used the term understanding customer behavior a few times. there, And I appreciate with ANPR technology, this is such an interesting possibility. Can you tell me a bit about how that works with Parking Iron and and the typical sort of behaviors you're looking for?
2: Yeah, so we we obviously capture huge amounts of data. So we have, uh, I think we capture about four million data points a day. So it's a wow. huge, number. yeah, absolutely, it's massive. Um, so that's, that's rich data that lives under the hood at Parking iHQ. And we're working with customers and also um, stuff we're doing in the future is to further develop that insight suite, if you like. So I think customers more and more want to, they'll always want standard reports, of course, but actually in terms of being able to get in, self-serve, interrogate their own data, create their own standard, uh, customized and automated reporting, that's the bit that they really want next so it's a functionality piece but in terms of the data that we possess it really it it really folds around capacity um, sort of sort of baseline visitors we've been working a lot with um, engine and fuel types electric charging points are very interesting duration as well is um, is is another aspect, as well as repeat visitors. So we were doing some work with ASDA, particularly around um, their this idea of a, a petrol filling station and how that affected visits. And what we did is we overlaid visits with duration. Um, and what we were able to find, and this allows them to couple it with their transactional data that they see at point of sale, is that when we when we overlaid visits, before and after a petrol filling station went in, It looked great. The spike went up and brilliant. We're attracting loads more traffic, happy days. But actually, when we looked at duration, we actually saw a swing in the balance between people that were staying for more than 10 minutes and people that were leaving under 10 minutes. Now, we all know that nipping into any supermarket and getting parked and walking through the front door and picking what you want and queuing and blah, 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 and back into your car and out before the camera clocks you under 10 minutes is probably Quite a challenge. So the assumption,
1: especially at the moment,
2: yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the assumption was that we um, that people were coming for the petrol station, but but were maybe going to a competitor nearby for the big shop. so right. Quite interesting. So as there were then uh, baskets versus trolley transactions and this that and the other. So I suppose I suppose to answer your question, there are, there are, there's lots of data out there, and certainly we've got lots of it. Hmm. And the trick is to do it in a way in which is really insightful and useful and actionable for our customers. You know, uh, you know, five years ago, maybe 10 years ago, you can pull a report and stick it in front of your customer's nose and happy day tick, take haven't we done our jobs. That's no longer enough. And, and actually it's about working with the client, shaping those requirements together, feeding them into business objectives and goals and where do they want to get to. That's what really adds value from a data perspective, I think
0: it's interesting how actually that data although it helps enforce parking it also enables you to give the customer at the supermarket or anywhere else a better customer experience can you tell me a little bit more about how how the parking sector has adapted and is adapting to meet the needs of social distancing
2: sure yeah i mean social distancing let's let's start there i mean it's a term nobody had really heard of but you know, three months on from an upward swing in the UK's COVID curve, and we, we now hear it literally a million times a day, and and I think we all appreciate that it's probably here to stay, um, or certainly for the foreseeable future. Um, anyone with a car park, absolutely, no matter what sector, must now understand their hand, what we what we call our hands-free strategy. That's maintaining good flow, positive revenues, and doing all the good stuff to enable a convenient shopping experience but an absolutely safe one. And it's a massive challenge. What for us has been a really positive sign is, you know, parking is a very competitive industry and it's really come together to do the right thing. You know, there've been fundraising initiatives, new technology, you know, the BPA themselves with the NHS Free Parking website. These are these are wonderful initiatives and and they're They're rooted in collaboration and and approaching things and shaping things together. So I I think that's been been very, very positive. I mean, I'm sure I speak for most businesses when I say, you know, we're all working closely with our clients to make sure the car parks are safe zones. Raising public confidence and ensuring a socially distanced shopping experience is, is absolutely key. I mean, we've just touched on, you know, data for us. It starts there. We've been working with clients to give them an accurate picture of what's happening on site, providing great visitor reports, helping them understand visitor behaviors. It's really useful for sites both managing traffic spikes and finalizing reopening plans. Other clients, you know, Asda, for instance, they're really ahead of the curve with their own tech. Um, Britain's third largest supermarket, you know, they're trialing a, a virtual queuing system. And I, I just was so excited. You know, this, this tech allows customers to log into the queue remotely, wait in their cars until it's their turn to enter store. You know, they're, they're removing that backlog at the store doors. They're making it more comfortable for clients who are, who are visiting, you know, especially with the UK's famously unpredictable weather. Speaking just for us, we've been working through some kind of magic list around how we're helping our clients. And it depends on sector and it depends on 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 a million different things i suppose but for us there are practical considerations in managing their site and there, there's also advice on social distancing specifically of course embrace ampr we're going to say that we love ampr and everything that it stands for um, but the range of benefits have never been more appropriate in the post-covid 19 era that that just cannot be denied um, you know, being able to understand this accurate occupancy data, you know, it can help clients highlight when a site's becoming full or close to capacity. It can also help with enforcement, of course, but it can automate so many manual processes. It absolutely supports virtualized payments. And in terms of barriers, you know, if somebody wants to rid themselves of barriers, then it creates a completely free flow environment. Traffic movement in and out, dramatically, dramatically improved, you know, slow, laggy arms that rise and fall can have such a massive detriment onto onto the flow of getting people in and out. And for sites, certainly supermarket sites, who are seeing this this really different profile throughout the day where there's big spikes in the morning, but actually there might be less busy throughout the rest of the day, that's really, really key. Just to put that in perspective, actually, with the barrier stuff, we did did a a really good project for um, Manchester University Foundation Trust Now, they, at the time, had a barrier, had a barrier across all of their their site, and they were seeing about 200,000 cars um, each month coming through their their gates. Despite the barriers being temperamental, mm -hmm, that's a whole other story, they were able to um, accept another 50,000 cars a month purely once the barriers were decommissioned because of the free flow environment. So people just drift in and drift out and no longer creating backlogs. That, are actually, that actually used to block the blue light routes. Whereas blender barriers are where you can, you can benefit from all the automation of AMPR and still, so let's say you've just invested loads of capex in your barrier, then actually you're not, you know, you're not going to go to management and say, hmm, hey, I want to rip it out and stick AMPR in. But actually we can blend the two um so which improves flow and also um it means that motorists don't have to wind the window down they don't have to put the ticket in the payment machine the cameras just do everything so it,
1: it's a bit like the long-stay parking at heath roads it's my experience of that where a barrier will recognize your number plate and lift up yeah, automatically yeah yeah yeah,
2: yeah exactly and, and actually it's exactly the same as well at places there's a john lewis actually in birmingham new street station and when you hit the bottom of the ramp the cameras clock you and and um know that you're there for click and collect so it's so again it's kind of it you know so hopefully might well haven't actually been but you know i think that they get the they get the order ready for you so that it minimizes your time on site so that's improving turnover of that space Mm
1: -hmm.
2: so these kind of applications of ampr with a barrier what i find really interesting is that actually it's showing
0: how ampr can actually improve the customer experience in terms of even in that example it just speeds up the whole process speeds up the flow better for the environment i'm a big fan of the environment so kind of the more we can reduce the amount of emissions and that kind of thing yeah Um,
2: and i mean i mean you know alongside that as well let's not forget that you know to to put physical payment machines and all the connectivity and the infrastructure and the civils that needs to happen. I mean it's it's as it's as light as we can make it, don't get me wrong, but there's CapEx investment, there's work to do. You know, if we could suddenly pick everybody up from pay on form and put them onto virtualized payments, whether or not that's prepay, you know, pay as you go, whatever it might be, then brilliant, you know, imagine absolutely fantastic. For us it's all about switching to ampr I mean if you're ever going to do it, now is the time because it's going to be the backbone to allow you to piece all the other great stuff on top.
1: You've covered so many aspects of, of social distancing in parking with Parking Eye. I, I'm gonna just change tack a little bit now. And I'd, I'd love to know, as such a large organization with so much data um, in different sectors, I know like the BPA you're interested in helping the government understand about uh, changes in behavior, in mobility during this lockdown as, as we come out of that. Is there any um, any bits of information you can share from what you've you've been seeing in national patterns different sectors i'm sure people are staying at home more and working at home more is is parking able to pick up any of these trends
2: yeah i mean absolutely we we, we're tracking obviously tracking all the visitors and tracking behaviors on site with clients but you're right we are looking at how different sectors have been impacted and because that obviously means we have to change tack on our, our advice to them as well so but yeah i mean over the last three months, we've, we've looked quite closely. I mean, that's about 360 million data points for us. So it's, mm. it's enormous. So um, we've seen traffic volumes as a whole drop by about 60% across the estate. Now, that's not very much different from the, the figures coming out of the Cabinet Office, which are talking about UK road traffic levels falling by about 73% um, since lockdown was introduced. Now, you know, yes, very scary. It's the lowest since 1955. Um, But actually, you know, we've seen it being very much a a tale of two halves from our point of view. So, yes, customers have faced bitter challenges, but it's either been um, an an almost complete shutdown or those managing these huge spikes in visitor traffic as they work to keep the nation fed, warm, safe and healthy. Even busy sites have been impacted. We found uh, their daily weekly visitor profiles completely changed. And we've just touched on supermarkets. We've seen that morning profile um, lift whereas certainly for our our large supermarkets we've seen that overall traffic levels are still at around about half if you take it across the week or across the month or across that period that's
1: interesting yeah
2: because our perception is right that oh my god these sites are absolutely you know overwhelmed and and yes they are but only for certain big spikes during the day and that's that means that we you know again um, how they manage that needs to be needs and to could
1: be could that possibly be more people are walking to the supermarket or, or cycling and taking their panniers and rucksacks and, and all that
2: potentially potentially although i think there's there's still some practical considerations you know, if you're doing the big shop then then you know you're going to need your car and i think the behavior in that has changed to your question because i think if people were nipping in and getting bread eggs and milk then yes stick it on the back of the back and off we go but i think the behavior has altered so that people are going less frequently, which is maybe why we're seeing um, still lower levels in the supermarkets. Um but actually when they get there the basket spend or trolley spend is far higher. So I think it's a frequency question um, driven yeah. by some yes. of the restrictions that are in place. There's so someone
1: um, who uh, who nearly put their back out trying to carry the shopping home <laughs> the other day. <laughs> I can testify the car is a useful resource.
2: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Um
2: but it, you know we're seeing you know there's other sites that are closed like churches for instance now when we look at that data we expected it to flatline but interestingly that's got that's got traffic still um accessing those sites and that's 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 going to be abuse that's going to be unauthorized users on the land um and, and again that's something that we have to work with those work with those sites on other businesses i, I think they're going to they're going to look to implement paid parking or certainly improve their paid parking strategies. Um, need, everyone's going to need to recover some economic losses. Again, personally for Parking I we, we've actually seen some shoots of recovery, so some quite positive ones at that. So country parks. Now, I know there's ongoing restrictions, but the traffic levels for, um, for our country parks are massively rising, massively rising. Um, we've also had a surge in new business inquiries. from sites suffering abuse so i.e. churches and lots of tourist places as well um, and also questions about us leasing now empty land you know requests for touchless tech of course but you know very much rooted in generating much needed revenue for us the takeout has been that the uk certainly feels to be waking back up
1: well that's good news isn't it
2: yeah absolutely do you have any thoughts on um,
0: how customers changing habits obviously there's positive impacts on that in terms of environmental if people are only driving their car once a week to the supermarkets there's less yeah. congestions on the road less pollution that kind of thing but obviously for the parking sector that is going to affect the business model to a certain extent how do you think that might change how do you think the parking sector might need to adapt to to bring in those changing habits
2: yeah I mean it, it, Absolutely. I mean, look, it's a crystal ball moment, isn't it? We're all trying to preempt what is is coming next and how how wide that ripple is going to go. Um, you know, nobody knows what lies ahead, but I can, I, I've certainly got some views on, on, you know, there are market factors which, which are going to change parking way beyond homeworking as well. That's been another big thing. So, you know, just touching on homeworking. Yes, the UK has been forced to embrace homeworking environmental you know business and work life benefits you know can't be denied but interestingly i think it affects commuter traffic so it could actually free up space for customers allow businesses to repurpose um you know now available land that could create new revenue streams um you know although it's interesting i think i think the visitor profile would change and we've already seen that from supermarkets i think that will lead into lots of other sectors um, but it could be really good for business good for motorists and good actually good for parking I think I think the biggest question mark is retail if I were being honest you know retail giants you know the scaled up online shopping capability um, you know I understand that Tesco have, have just done loads of new surfacing works at over 200 of their of their stores to facilitate that, that new click and collect volume that they're seeing. Um, you know, it's, it's how, how will this see a change in bricks and mortar stores? It could put additional pressure on that, and it's, and the high street is already struggling, let's face it. Online shopping is just completely, we've had to do almost everything online. So yeah, that might not be great news, but then, you know, you've got public transport, if confidence in that takes time to recover, or councils have to remove on-street parking to facilitate social distancing on our streets, Private parking could be in for a boom then. Hotels, restaurants, leisure, attractions, I suppose as well. Our gut feel is that's going to swing back with gusto. We're all so flipping starved of our treats, <laughs> our treats and yeah. human interaction, you yeah, know. Yeah. And, and let's not forget that most of us certainly will be staying in the UK for our summer break rather than venturing abroad. So, you know, okay, dot, 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 could that also be good news? So one thing's for sure, no matter what happens, I'm sure we'll all agree that there's going to be a renewed focus on business revenues. The, the car park is so often overlooked and underutilised, yet it can yield all this great stuff. It can deliver a brilliant first impression to visitors and users and customers. It can drive out cost, operational cost out of the business. It's super safe. It can be absolutely hands free. You know all this great stuff. And I, I read a lot of titles. You know, hotel owner and retail destination, various other things, and. And certainly, certainly in hotel, actually, there's very little covered about parking. It's all about you know um, deep cleaning and how they're going to facilitate breakfast to your room and limiting it to three drinks per person. Great, but what about the flipping car park? Another aspect is, AMPR can enable a, a, a load of other softwares and applications that improve this customer experience, and particularly in COVID. Um, some of these app-based systems, um, some of our services as well. We're looking at putting notifications on. So if somebody were to drive in, and um, you know, we ping them a note, to say, actually, just a reminder, this is a three-hour max stay. But also, we we're looking at could we could we drop a notification to them to say, we twenty minutes from the expiry of that th- the expiry of that three hours. Um, because actually these are loyal customers and these are great clients. So it's again, you know, it's in our best interest to do what's right. Um, so yeah, I think, and I think AMPR enables that in a really seamless way to be able to ping this stuff out and really enhance that customer experience. You know, the, the customers on site are dealing with enough. Our clients have so much to worry about right now. We don't want parking to be one of them, one of, one of the things. And also clients, uh, their, sorry, their customers, so their shoppers, you know, are also dealing with a lot. You know, many of them are key workers and we want to try and remove all of those worries. And actually, parking eye, we, we actually want parking to be kind of invisible. And that's why we love AMPR. Because, you know, you just drive onto site and the cameras do all the hard work for you. All the hard work. I suppose COVID-19 has, has really forced an adoption of more of these digital ways of living and working um, i've never even heard of zoom and, and now look i'm on the flipping thing you know 10 times a week um,
1: in the club yeah
2: <laughs> absolutely right and as an industry you know look parking's never been more exciting than it is now we, we're pushing the envelope we are absolutely pushing the envelope of what's possible whilst yep. we're dealing with all of these safety challenges and mm. social distancing as mm. well mm. so exciting
1: Great talking to you, Andy, and really looking forward to hearing how Parking Eye progress with the various discussions with the government and with the innovations you've been talking about. Thanks for your time, Andy.
2: Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. It's been thoroughly painless.
1: Hopefully uh, we'll meet you at an actual live public event one day soon. Definitely. We're we're all um, zoomed up for the next year, I think. I think so. I
2: think so. Well, all the very best. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. you. All right. Bye-bye.